Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Our topic this morning is scatter shooting. And Danny is actually quite a good teacher. He is really good. So Lord, we ask your anointing on him to fill his mouth with the right words, not the wrong words, and help us to receive your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor. It is scatter shooting. We're not going to be talking about just one subject, but we're going to see a lot of different subjects. This is from, uh, I started many, actually about two years ago, I'd read my Bible, and I'd see a verse, and it just really struck me, really hit me. And I would say to myself, you know, I probably should memorize that verse. So I started writing them down on three by five cards. I literally, when I go to work at the one thirty break, if you want to know where I am, go to where the tables are, and I'm literally taking the cards and flipping them, you know, uh, because memorization is important. I maintain, most of my friends scoff, but the day's going to come when the Bible's going to be tried to be taken away from us. Right. I really believe that's going to happen. So how are you going to know what the Bible says unless you record it in your mind? So we need to be on a program of starting to memorize. And for me, that takes a lot of work because my memory went about five, ten years ago, I think. So we're going to start off, this is the second part, and we come into what I call a trap verse. Now, it's Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh. It shall be opened. Does it always happen? I mean, let's be real. Does that always happen? Nope. It don't. That's just reality. Now, there's some reasons, and I covered uh, some of them last time I talked. But it's a trap because if you're a beginning believer and you see this, your natural reaction is, well, I can ask for anything I want, and it will be given to me. The verse says it, right? Asking if it shall be given. We have a problem where people take a single verse and they ignore the rest of the Bible. And they decide that this is the verse they're going to stand on and then they get mad because it doesn't happen. Sorry, you can't do that. Some of you are not going to like what I'm going to say next. God has an absolute standard of right and wrong, period, okay? And if we're going to ask something and seek something that runs contrary to God's statutes, laws, and commandments, then in all probability, it ain't going to happen because then we're violating His statutes, laws, and commandments, and God's not going to allow that to happen. He's a righteous, a righteous God. So that's why I call it a trap verse. We need to remember, let's look at this. Hopefully it will happen, but look at it in the context of the rest of the Bible. And what does the rest of the Bible say? Uh, some notes on Matthew 7, 8. The note W, which is the word ask there. I can't pronounce hard, sometimes the English language. This is a Greek word, A-L-T-E-O. Uh, it's, ask, it's to ask in the verses you see there or to crave, to beg, to desire, to require or demand. On the word knock, all right, which is there right by the number seven, the third way of getting an answer to prayer 
To ask implies want. Seeking implies loss. And knocking implies need. One must ask with confidence and humility. Seek with care and application. And knock with earnestness and perseverance. See, there's a mindset, too, we need to have when we make requests of God. And this helps show us. One reason why we don't get answered prayer, James 4, 3, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Again, God is a righteous God. He's got a standard of right and wrong. And if he knows something you ask for is going to be contrary to his statute laws commandments, you're not going to get it. Okay? You ask why... I don't get answered prayers. Are you asking the wrong thing? You might might be. And for the yes, as the pastor just said, for the wrong reason. So just kind of remember that. Uh, another note on John, uh, James four three, twelve answers or reasons for unanswered prayer. Lust, which you find in, in James verses one two three and five. Also in John 8:44, murders, cuffiness, fighting in war, asking amiss to satisfy lust, adulteries, friendship of the world, pride, that's a good one, rebellion against God, backsliding in sin, double-mindedness or doubt, misuse of the tongue, verses 11 and 12. If you're guilty of any of these, then maybe that's why you're not getting the answers to your prayer. I'm just just saying. Again, this one of the reasons I liked some of the verses, and I put these in this order. From time to time, brothers and sisters, we need encouragement, don't we? Sometimes life comes and hits you a heavy blow, and you get down in the dumps. I had that happened about a week ago something didn't go real well and you know I wanted to throw my hands up it's like what am I going to do now well I'm just going to stay the course but notice therefore so these verse some of these verses are there for encouragement I chose them because they help encourage me and when I go through hard times and make no mistake, brothers and sisters, hard times are coming. People have no clue. They have no idea. Now, anyone that listens to Stan's radio broadcast does. Oh, yeah, he has a radio program just to let you know. I listen to it on the way to work, usually. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Belief cannot be understated as far as you have to have that belief. You know, it's, it's kind of like you imagine it first. That's where it starts. You, you picture it in your mind, and then you believe it's going to happen. Now, notice it does not say believe that you receive them five minutes after you pray. We're too much in an instant society. We want it here. That's one of the themes you'll notice I always talk about is timing. 
But that's important. We don't get everything we want right when we want. And as Christians, sometimes we have to be willing to wait. Sometimes we have to say, you know what, God? I've done all I can do. I'm just putting it on you. And then we sit there and wait. And that wait can be a long, long time. Okay? Stan, Pastor Stan, uh, some of you may not remember, Hasey's, what was Hasey's last name? Hasey Stevens spoke. I saw him when he came through Dallas one year. That was over, what, 10 years ago minimum? 20 years ago. And he was talking about finding oil in Israel. Well, hadn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but people have had to wait for that to happen. We must be willing to wait on God. And if we're not, then you know what? You're going to have nothing but disappointment time after time after time. John fifteen sixteen. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to me, or to you. Well, to me too, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you're sitting here in this building right now, if you're watching on live stream, you know, sometimes in the past I would hear Pastor Stan or other speakers say, then there was, there, there's a reason for it. And the reason is because he chose you. And, you know, that's, that's really an awesome responsibility. Because we got to remember, if we are chosen, then aren't we ambassadors? If we say that we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ, aren't we ambassadors? And ordained you. Now, there are lots of different ways that we can serve God. You know, and what works for me may not be what works for you. And maybe God has something that he wants you to do that's totally outside another person. But it works for you because you're in the situation which allows him to work for you to get the thing done that he wants accomplished. All right? Uh, I seem to make you the example today. Pastor Stan has contacts. He's run the Prophecy Club for over 20 years. He has a collection of people that he put on speaking tours that he stays in contact with. They tell him things. So he's in a position that I can't fulfill because I don't have the contacts. And that's all right, okay? Everyone has their own niche that God has put them in so that we can fulfill what he wants. But you know what? If you sit there and think, okay, I'm, I'm ready. Why don't you tell me? No, it's not that. Sometimes you've got to do a little seeking. Sometimes you've got to do a little work, which means you fall on your hands and knees and pray and you read your Bible. Okay? That's, that's just what it is, the way it is. Again, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Just remember the slides we were just looking at. Make sure you don't ask amiss. Make sure that what you request is in line with God's laws, statutes, and commandments. If you do that, then probably, though it may not be immediate, you'll probably get what it is you ask. 
Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them to confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now, earlier in that chapter, and I believe part of 10, excuse me, starting with Moses, um, the writer of Hebrews goes through the history, you might say, of the Old Testament to show how people were given promises, but they didn't see the total fulfillment. Okay? Abraham. Abraham was told that his seed would be become nations. Did Abraham really see that? No, he did not, did he? But did because he didn't see it, did it mean that he wavered and didn't do what God said? Because you know what, God? You told me I'd be uh, father of many nations. I'm lucky to get my own family. You know, so what's going on here? No. He said, I believe in you, God. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be true, and I'm going to follow your will, no, even if I don't see it in my lifetime. Are you willing to do that? Joseph, remember? He had to start uh, the dream when he was, uh, before he got sold by his brothers about the ladder and the stars and all that. Well, he finally saw it, but it was a number of years after when he, you know, he was revealed that to. So again, uh, they went on and embraced it, even though they did not see the full fulfillment or the full fulfillment of whatever it was that God told them. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to wait? There's things, I said this last time I was speaking, there are things I've asked for and I still haven't seen. But I'm still going to ask for them. Why? Because ultimately, God's the answer. His son Jesus is the answer. There's an old saying, I don't know if it's from the Bible, I want to think it is, Though he may slay me, yet shall I trust him. I don't know where I picked that up. But that's kind of my attitude. Though he may slay me, yet will I trust him. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Our home is not permanently here. Uh, I've heard it said, and I believe this, I think this is correct. What we're doing here is, is deciding what happens in heaven. You know, what we do here is going to help determine what rewards. And yes, we are going to get rewards when we go to heaven. Now, some may get a lot, some may get a little. And this may be heresy, but you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> I really don't. The fact I'm there makes is enough for me, you know. It would be nice if I had some crowns and rewards. I made it. That's all. In fact, I had a dream, and I will never forget this dream. And I was like in the throne room, and I didn't really see anything, but I heard a voice, and, and I knew I had made it. And when that instant hit, I had such relief and peace. I've never forgotten that. That's what I want to do. I want to say, go to heaven and say, I made it. I made it. Oh, how blessed would that be. Uh, some more notes on Hebrews 11. Note I were strange. Oops, wrong way. Strangers. The Xenos is translated stranger. 
and those verses, strange in Acts, and those three verses, and host, it refers to people out of their own country, a foreigner, and then pilgrims, oh, forget me trying to say that word, sojourners, not permanent dwellers, not naturalized. Here in 1 Peter 1, 1, 2, and then 2, uh, 11. We're pilgrims and we're strangers. We need to make sure we kind of keep that in the back of our minds. Isaiah. I think next to Psalms, Isaiah is my favorite chapter in the Old Testament. And there's two verses in particular. This one, I believe the other one's in this back half. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, my goodness, brothers and sisters, if that's not encouragement, I don't know what is. You know? I mean, we're talking about God. And I believe, if I remember correctly, this was at a time where Isaiah was going, Lord, what am I going to do? They're all after me. I can't find anyone that will support me. I got people out there trying to kill me. This was God's response. Don't worry. I got you back. I'm going to take care of you. Isn't it just as true today? Isn't it just as... Now, now, if you're going to go out and sin, you know, forget about this verse because he's going to laugh. You want me to do this and, and you're doing this? I mean, but this is one of my favorite verses. It really is. Especially when you're in a warehouse that's 109 degrees inside. That's what it got, 109 inside the warehouse. I, I took a thermometer and measured it last week. Matthew 8, 13. I talked about belief. We've seen it highlighted before. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same self hour. It's just incredible how much belief is a factor in our life. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe God and Jesus can accomplish whatever it is you're asking? He put it, he didn't put it on him. Notice he didn't put it on Jesus. He put it back on the centurion. As thou hast believed, not as I decide. No. It was the centurion. It was his level of belief that made the difference. It's the same today. Do you believe? Do you have the willingness to believe? And are you willing to wait? Now, I think y'all have heard me say how much I love the book of Psalms. I literally get my phone, make sure it's on the charger, and play Psalms at night when I go to sleep. I, I do that probably two, three times a week. And Alexander, Alexander Scorsese, I think that's his last name, He's got a really nice voice. He's real soothing to listen to. And this is one of my favorite. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. What does this what does this remind you of? Revelation chapter 4, the throne room. 
When I see this verse, that's what I always picture in my mind. And you know that y'all may find this amusing because I was young, dumb, stupid, okay? But when I was younger, <laughs> how do I put this? I used to think, what? Go all day and just sit there and, and worship and pray? How boring. Now, again, I was young, dumb. Forgive me, please. I forget. I, I repent. I was young, dumb, and stupid. And now I can't wait. I can't wait to see Revelation chapter 4 in all its glory. Oh, my goodness. What? I think that's going to be one of the most sobering things I ever see in my entire life is to see all the 24 elders that I've read about in Revelation for years and years and and to see even, and then this may be wrong, but to even see their crowns. I bet they got big ones. You know, I bet they got some big crowns. But just that whole scene, that whole atmosphere. Oh, man. Oh, man, that's going to be great. That's going to be great. And I expect to see all y'all, okay? Make sure you're there. Because it won't be the same unless I got my church family with me. All right? Uh, David, can you see what number slide I'm on? Okay. Really? That can't be right. Well, while he's looking, because I'm trying to pace myself, that's why I was asking. Anyone that says Jesus is not the answer is an idiot. Okay. Say, what was it? Okay, thanks. Pure and simple. And those that say Jesus never said that, okay, I'm in a church, so I'm not going to say what I just thought. All right? But they're wrong. And here's a verse that, that really, there's about five verses. I don't sure, I'm not sure if they're all in the, on the index cards. But Jesus made it clear. He is the answer. There is no one else. There's no Buddha. There's no Muhammad. There's no nothing else. And people that say that, no, he didn't say it. Yes, he did. It's right there. I mean, it's in black and brown. They, they, he said it. So either they're dumb, they're stupid, or they're willingly being ignorant. He said it. He made no, he made no, there's no middle ground. And all of us, all you out there that might be fence setters, guess what? You're going to be knocked off that fence real soon. At some point, uh, you're going to have to make a stand. Either you're with them or against them. And it won't be Jesus saying, are you? It's going to be people putting you into a position where you're going to be forced to do it. Okay? So this idea that, oh, Jesus never said that there are other ways. No, he didn't. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He gave up his own body. It's right there. I give as my flesh. That man hung on a cross. And that verse puts it pretty clear. Pretty clear. 
I couldn't wait for this verse. I really could. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. This is the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, a couple of things. There is a lot of people that need to have and ye are not your own, shoved in their face. Okay? Now, if you're not a Christian, I'll, I'll give you a little leniency. But brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not, whether you want it to be this way or not, the reality is, if we say that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, from the moment we say that, ye are not your own. All right? There's another verse, I believe it's in there, it's all things are lawful for me, but they're not expedient. And then there's the second half, which I don't remember at the moment. Just because we have free will does not give us license to do whatever we want. Period. We have to live, if we're going to say we're of God, then at that point we surrender our bodies. And we... We have to follow his statute, laws, and commandments. I see so many, I hear, especially just to make sure that we don't get taken off. I'm not going to say specifics. But there are situations that have come up where people are praying around, well, you don't have the right, it's my body, I'll do what I want with. (laughs) All right, I'll just put it that way. I don't want to get us taken off. I'm afraid if I say a couple words, we will. But but y'all have heard them, right? On the news, it's, I can do what I want. No, you can't. Okay? You can't. You are, if you are a Christian, and it, it doesn't matter what it is. I've, uh, I'll give you another example. I've got some friends that smoke marijuana. And, they, and they'll tell me, well, it doesn't hurt me. As long as I do it in my own house, that's okay. No, it's not. Are you a Christian? And does that... Is that prohibited by God's statutes, laws, and commandments? Then no, you, no, no. It's not all right. And notice too, so ye are not your own. We need people to remember that. Whether we're Christian or not, we are not our own. Now also, you see it says body and spirit. We've got to remember that there's not just the physical. There's the spirit. There's a spirit within inside of us that God has made as part of our makeup. So we need to glorify God in both in terms of our body and our spirit. Well, if we're going to glorify God in our body, then we're going to do actions that are in line with, in accordance with God's statutes, laws, and commandments. Whether you want to or not, the moment you become a disciple, that, take, that decision is taken out of your hands. Yeah, you can do it, but do you really want to lessen God's impact on your life? How do I put it? I I I have yeah, I have gone to prayer. See, I think the one of the most important things 
right now is being able to discern God's communication. I think I mentioned this last time. That to me is the number one thing right now because of the age we live in, the times we live in. If we are not able to discern God's communication, it doesn't have to be an audible voice. I'm not saying it has to be an audible voice. It can be through song. It can be through uh, Pastor Stan or Leslie talking. It could be talking with one of your friends. All right? It doesn't matter the means and method of the communication. The important point is that you're able to discern it. And when it happens, you say, oh, that was from God. I need to pay attention. And I'll, I'll admit to you, I'm way short. I'm not anywhere where I need to be. Okay? So I want to make sure that I try to do the things that glorify God both from my standpoint of my body and then the spiritual side of me to do those actions that would help keep that discernment from not being accomplished, okay? But your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. And we need to shove it in the faces of some people around here. Not y'all. I don't mean y'all. I'm just talking about some of our so-called leaders. Now, this is a very hard verse. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth and those things which are before. Too many times we've spent too much time on verse 13, forget about 14. Back in November, I had something happen. And I still, and, and, I, and I read this every day almost, but trying to put it behind me has been one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I had a chance to minister in a way I never, ever had before. I had a chance to witness in a way that I could have reached a lot of people. And one week it was right there. It was in my hand. It was right there. And within a space week it all come unraveled. To this day, I don't know what happened. And I, and I still go to God and say, God, why? What happened? How did something that looked so good, that was right there, it was right in the palm of my hand, and it went away. So it's, it's not easy to forget the past. It's not easy to forget if someone has harmed you, if someone maybe robbed Maybe they backstabbed you and they got a job promotion that you thought you were going to get. Maybe a, a relative did something to you. You know, you got to put it behind you. Remember what I said earlier? We are pilgrims and strangers. If you're dwelling on the past, that means you're trying to stay in the world. What we need to do is this. Press to the mark for the prize of the high calling in God in Christ Jesus. We need to try and make sure we focus on the cross and the life that's going to come as a result of this, both here and in eternity. And we've got to make sure that we don't dwell on verse 13. Again, it's not easy. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm, I'm still reeling from November, trying to ask God, why? why how could that let you let that happen? No, I haven't got an answer, but you know what? That's what happened. That's the way it went. So I was going to start working on 14, okay?
14. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This was the very first verse that I memorized, actually. There have no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer to be tempted above that you are able. Will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it, and it will all be accomplished in five minutes. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's not there, is it? No. Uh, <laughs> when you're going through trials and tribulation, it's not going to be easy. And if you think I'm going to say it is, I'm going to say no, it's not. Trials and tribulations are never easy. They're hard. And sometimes it takes almost everything out of you to endure it. But what this verse is telling us, the best way I can put it, we have the ultimate victory. We do. Not to temptation. Now, it may take a while to get through it, and, and you may have to do some things to help it, but that way to escape, you know how you know how you know what it is? It's called and reading. Ultimately, that's because, see, Pastor Stan's not always going to be here in the sense that he's physically in your presence. Your best friend is not always going to be here. David or uh, Lou or Bill, they're not always going to be physically near me, right? So what am I going to rely on? <laughs> Prayer and the Bible. Because until they take the Bibles away, I still got my Bible I can read, and I still can go in my prayer closet, and I don't have to have anyone near me or by me. Not that I'm saying I don't want that, but I use this illustration. We're here about three hours on a Sunday morning, typically, right? Okay. That's only, do my math, that's only an eighth of a day, of one day. What are you going to do the rest of the time? How are you going to get your sustenance then? If they're not physically with you, how are you going to do it? And yeah, I can listen to stand on the radio or I can use an app and replay, but I'm not always going to be in a position to do that. Ultimately, that way to escape is going to be from bending down your hands and knees in prayer and reading the Bible. And yes, get the advice of uh, your friends. Get the advice of people that you love and care for and who love you. Yes, do that. That's a good thing. But also make sure that when you're looking for that way escape, that you also consult that Bible and spend time in prayer. Note, this verse gives assurance of the eternal keeping of God in all temptation, his help, and every one of them providing we obey the warnings of the previous verses 1 through 12. No man can be kept from a fall if he persistently refuses to meet condition. Our standing depends upon faith and union with God and steadfastness in what? Prayer. The greatest saint can only stand as long as he depends on God and continues in obedience to the gospel. If you want God's help, you need to make sure you're living the right life. You need to be obedient to what God's commandments, laws, and statutes 
excuse me, uh, are. Jeremiah 31 through 33. I'm going to do two more slides and then I'll have to, that will be it. This covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put the law in my inward parts and write it in their hearts. Will be their God and they shall be my people. Does that apply to us? Absolutely. Yes, this is Jeremiah. This was originally, obviously, back in the Old Testament times. And he's talking to the Jewish people. But that principle was still the same. And that's and because of this cross, based how, the way I look at it, because of the, this cross, this verse is absolutely relevant to us. Because that's what God wants with us. We, he wants us to put his law in our parts, in our inward beating, and put it upon my heart. And if we do that, then he will be our God. And yes, we'll be his people. Since Jesus, basically the church became, became the Jews in that sense. When Jesus died on the cross and the Christian faith was born, now we became his people until such time as the Jews are brought back in the fold. All right, I got time for one. Oh, well, there's so many good verses. I'm going to go to the last verse. There's James. I was looking for that earlier. Uh, two quick ones. Malachi, a lot of times this is used for tithing. You'll see, that you'll see this quoted in terms of giving tithes all the time. I'm going to put some other idea in your head. Is the only way that you can tithe this through money? Nope. Time. Think about it. There's 24 hours a day, right? So, and a lot of, it's not in this verse. There's another verse where I think the figure 10% is used. So let's use that. 10% of 24 is 2.4 hours, right? And I can tell you right now, no, I don't. But if you give 2.4 hours a day to God, probably not. I, I'll admit, I don't. That's one of the things i got to work on, to spend more time in, with God in terms of reading my Bible and prayer and listening to solid Christian messages. So it's not just money that's involved. Thinking of it in context of time. All right. Oh, mm. oh. That was not, I was expecting it. I'm, there, I want to close with this, and then I'm going to play a quick song. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't care that this is actually from a letter written by Paul. The principle is still true. That at the, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At some point, you are going to do it. And whether you do it right now, in this life, or Jesus comes and you realize it, and you're on your hands and knees, and you say, yeah, you were, weren't you? <laughs> you're going to confess it. There's a song, and I want to end it with the song. It's called The Answer is Jesus. And so I'm going to step off while the song is playing so you see this cross to symbolize that Jesus is the answer. Who he is Jesus and he saved me when 
gave me Inside my heart, that's where Jesus came to stay Because he loves me and he is the only way If you ask me who, what, when, where, why My answer is Jesus Christ Who could change the way that I was living on my own? What could ever turn around the things that I done wrong? When I was so full of my own selfishness and pride Where I'd been and all I'd done, I had so much to hide Why would Jesus love me and forgive me of my sin? Why was Jesus knocking on my heart to let him in? He is Jesus and he saved me When I asked him, he forgave me Inside my heart, that's where Jesus came to stay Because he loves me and he is the only way If you ask me who, what, when, where, why My answer is Jesus Christ He is my Savior and his name is Jesus Christ He did that day to save my soul with his own life Two thousand years ago upon a rugged cross On Calvary's hill he bled and died to save the lost Because he loved me even though I was a sinner He forgave me, he's my Savior He is Jesus Christ my Lord He is Jesus and he saved me When I asked him he forgave me Inside my heart that's where Jesus came to stay Because he loves me and he is the only way If you ask me who, what, when, where, why My answer is Jesus His name is Jesus My answer is Jesus Christ The answer is Jesus Pure and simple Whatever you're going through, whatever troubles you may have the answer ultimately is Jesus. I hope this has been helpful for you. The, again, these are verses that I look at every day. I try to make them, you might say, the starting point. I'm adding, I've added since I put, uh, put this together, I've added probably seven more. Um, just stuff leaps out. Well, this portion of the service has come to an end. Uh, we will start back or right about at 1030. Uh, here we're going to congregate. For you out there, go get some coffee or, or bread or whatever. Um, but be back in about 15 minutes, and we will see you then. All right, it's time to stand up. It's time for praise and worship. Hallelujah. What are some things that we like to do when we praise our God? Clap our hands. Dance. Stomp our feet. Tambourine, praise shields. Shout, turn around, yell hallelujah. Well, I want to challenge you this morning on this first song. Get out of your comfort zone and let's do those things. Let's get out of our shell, our flesh, and worship our true and mighty God. Amen. Hallelujah, King of kings and Lord of lords. You are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh God, you've been so good to me. 
And everyone was open and he brought me right into your family. Oh yeah. Oh God. Hallelujah. You've been so good to me. Come on, let me see your hands. You threw away my past and you never count my sins against me. Oh, thank you, Lord. You got me dancing. And now I'm shouting. Come on, we got to leaping. You got me leaping. And now I'm spitting hallelujah. So good to me. So Come on, let's see your hands. And every day I wake up, I breathe another breath of your mercy. Oh God, you've been so good to me. Come on. And my delight is in you, cause I know that your hand is upon me. Oh, thank you, Lord. You got me dancing.
Here to be 
Let the sons and the daughters sing. 
your mighty name. Come on, it's okay. Give him some praise. You are mighty. You are worthy. King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, we cry out to you. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let all the worshipers arise. Amen. Let all the worshipers arise. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise and worship team. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, just as we prayed earlier, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And also, Lord, give us remembrance of your word. And Lord, I ask that you anoint our pastor from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And Lord, that he would speak your words to us, not his own. Lord, I, I know that you have given him the message that we're all to hear. Let us also all receive the message that we're supposed to receive. 
And, Lord, bless all those that are watching online. Bless those that are here. And, Lord, thank you for all the provision, all the, the times that you've taken care of us when we didn't even realize it was you, but you guided and directed everything. Now, bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and open the seals thereof. Because he was slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And this morning we say, Amen. Blessing, glory, and wisdom. Thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Be unto our God who liveth forever and ever. For wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that no understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. And we thank you, Lord. We ask that you would open our eyes this morning as we go through these scriptures, of which are many. We ask you to show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand about your blood. Help us to understand the power of the blood. And that your blood is the most powerful thing in creation. We thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. We thank you. We say worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor, glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say. Blessing, honor, glory and power be in him that sitteth upon the throne and of the Lamb and the four beasts said, Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. So, we're going to be talking about the blood today. <laughs> See, you had to believe. We believed it was coming up. Blood. There's power in the blood of the Lamb, like the old song. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Bum, bum, bum. There is. Now, I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures this morning. I put all of the scripture up there, but I don't expect you to read all of it. I have underlined, here's the way it's going to be, the underline of the parts that we're going to be reading, and I've highlighted the word blood because that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I believe that I'm going to show you something in the scriptures you've never seen before, and by the way, we'll never learn it all. Never learn it all. It's eternal, okay? So we're going to start with the first occurrence of blood. This is where Ad or Abel, or excuse me, Cain had killed his brother Abel. His brother Abel was supposed to be Cain's blessing, but he killed his blessing. So he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's, say it, blood. Blood cried out from the ground. He says, now you're cursed from the earth, because her earth, the earth has opened her mouth and received your, bro your, your brother's blood, if I can talk. And it shall not be henceforth yield. So he lost his blessing because of blood, shedding of blood. That's the first point. 
But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. So once again, God later, we're going to jump in Genesis. Hey, let me tell you where we're going. We're starting at Genesis, we're going to end in Revelation. All talking about blood. I want to show you that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and I do not believe it was an apple, I believe it was a grape, when they ate of that fruit, what apparently, the Bible doesn't say this exactly, but apparently what happened is not only did sin enter in, but it entered in and apparently put into her genes, changed her and his, Adam and Eve, their, their DNA put the seed of the serpent. The Bible doesn't say it directly, but indirectly it says it. Put the seed of the serpent into her. As a result, we no longer could walk holy before God. Now we saw evil. That fruit, that grape, now move that forward to Armageddon, and the winepress was trodden without the city, and the, bri- and the blood came under the horse bridles, even to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So the same grape that brought in the seed of the serpent is what Jesus destroys in Armageddon. Got to have a wide view to see that. Then, like when Pharaoh commanded them to throw the, the male children into the Nile River. Some 40 years later, God drowned Pharaoh and all of that generation just like he had done before. In other words, so you're going to kill Moses. See, he was put into a bull rush, remember? You're going to kill that generation. 40 years later, I'm going to kill you. As the Wine press is trodden without the city at Armageddon. From Adam and Eve eating of the fruit, from that moment all the way to Armageddon, he returns the justice. He is the righteous judge. Now, going on talking about blood. So he says, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood you shall not eat. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it. So, whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Oh, <laughs> except abortion. That, that's okay. Right? Well, ask the Supreme Court. They, they know all things, right? The law stands. The law stands. So then Reuben said, shed no blood. This is talking about, you remember, Joseph. Joseph had the coat of many colors. He had the dream that all of his other brothers and his mom and dad would bow down to him. They didn't like that. They didn't like Joseph because he had a special call in his life. So, but Reuben spoke up and said, no, we're not going to kill him. We're going to throw him into a pit. Shortly after that, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with camels bearing spices. They're heading to Egypt. And so they sold Joseph into the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. How many pieces of silver was Jesus sold for? Isn't it interesting? Jesus said unto them, oh, excuse me, Joseph said, now this is years later. Joseph now is number two in the kingdom. Just like the prophecy said, his mom, dad, and his brothers and sisters would bow down to him. Now he's second in the kingdom. So they go up to Egypt to buy what? Corn? Rice? Beans? 
wheat. They go to buy wheat. Joseph, speaking in another language, says, you're spies. Oh, we're not, we're not spies. Oh, yes, you are. But if you're not spies, I tell you what, bring me your youngest, and you stay in jail until you bring him. And, of course, it was all a big plot. But all of this was to set the children of Israel up so that they would be very blessed in the land of Goshen. Your spies, put them all together in war three days. Bring your youngest brother. If you're verily guilty concerning your brother, he says, behold, that, see, Reuben is speaking to him, saying, look it, I told you we shouldn't have done this to our brother. We knew this was going to come back because they understood the power of the blood. Joseph, or excuse me, Reuben was saying, because we sold our brother into slavery, now we're being put into slavery or being put into jail. Do you understand that? As you sow, so also shall you reap, right? Reuben understood that. His blood is required. So Jacob, now this is, I'm skipping through the Bible here a lot. So now let's move forward. So now Jacob called his sons. Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what's going to befall you in the last days. Now there were 12 children. We're only going to talk about what he spoke to Judah. Judah. Judah, thou art whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be at the neck of thy enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down to thee. Now here's the point. Judah is a lion. Look here, lion, lion. And where, what, from what tribe did Jesus come from? Judah. Judah. And what is one of his names? Prince of the kings of the earth and the lion of the tribe of? See, the Bible is so deep. It's so deep, it's so awesome. The lion of the tribe of Judah. So what does he say about it? He says, all right, he says, well, uh, he couches at a lion. There's an old lion. He's really talking about Jesus. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, in other words, until Jesus returns. And in him shall be gathering of the people, binding his fold of the vine, his ass's colt with the choice vine. He washed his garments in the wine. What's he talking about? He's talking about Armageddon, way over there. So here we are in the days of Jacob. He's prophesying some... 3,000 some odd years into the future. And he's saying in the last days, the guy that comes from Judah, that is the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is one day going to wash his garments in wine. What was it that Adam, or that Eve, Adam and Eve ate? A grape, which is what you make wine out of. And what is it that Jesus trods on the last day? By the way, when Jesus shed his blood, he shed it outside of the city, right? When Jesus returns, he draws all of the armies of the earth down to, guess what? Just outside the city, I believe it'll be the same place. Where Jesus' blood was shed, he brings his enemies there at Armageddon to exactly the same place to shed their blood there. That's the power of our God. That's the power of blood. So he says he washed his garments in blood, or what he's really saying, excuse me, I got that backwards. He's not really saying wine. He's really saying, I'm going to wash my garments in your blood at Armageddon. And his clothes in the blood of grapes. Are you tying it together? Okay. His eyes should be red with wine, his teeth white with milk. And they shall take the blood and the strike. And now we're moving forward to the days of Moses. So this was the last of the ten plagues. This is the night of the destroyer, 
By the way, it wasn't really a death angel. It was called the destroyer, which was probably an angel. But it doesn't say death angel. It says destroyer. So as I want you to take blood, strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the houses where you eat. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over and the destroyer will not come to your house to destroy you. And so all of the firstborn were killed that night. Blood. Then on another occasion, Moses took half of the blood and put it into basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. He took the book of the covenant, read to the audience, the audience of people, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. Now this is an important part. So he took blood, put it on the altar, then he sprinkled the blood upon the people. What does Jesus do? This is a symbol, okay? So when we accept Jesus, what we're doing is standing there asking his blood to wash us clean, body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Amen. So here, Moses took the blood, sprinkled on the people. Behold the blood of the covenant. See, that's what we're doing when we accept Jesus. We say, behold the blood of the covenant. He says, then he went to Moses, Aaron, and all these other 70 elders that was under his feet, paved work. I'll skip that. And they saw God. Okay, wait a minute. So he took the blood, put it on the altar, sprinkled it on the people. As a result, they saw God. Because we accept Jesus, we accept that blood upon us, we have our sins washed away, and as a result, one day we get to see God. This is powerful. This is some deep stuff, okay? Your, your beginning Christians wouldn't tie into this. But we're ready for it, right? You ready for this? Ready for the deeper stuff? Okay. They saw God. I will give the, this is when Moses came up and says, I want you to go up to the mountain. I'm going to give you the tablets of stone, the law and the commandments, which have been written. Then what they do? Now this is Exodus 24. Now we jump to 29. Then shall thou kill the ram and take of the blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron. I assume it would be this. It might be, might be here. The tip would probably be here, wouldn't it? Tip of the right ear. Tip of the right ear of the sons, the thumb of the right hand, and the great toe of the right foot. Why? It's a blessing. You've seen us in this church do the same thing to people, right? Last one I'd be up here. We would, now, we didn't put the blood. What did we put on? Oil, because it represents the blood. Put on the tip of the ear, right thumb, big toe. So what does it do? Thou shalt take the blood that's on the altar, the anointing oil, sprinkle it upon Aaron, his garments, his sons, upon the garments his sons with him, and thou shalt be hollowed. Leslie just prayed for little Paris to be blessed. One of the things that we do when children are born in our congregation, we bring them up here and we anoint them with oil and we pray for them, pray for them to be blessed. When little Paris was born, you could put her into a coffee cup, literally. She was a pound and 10 ounces, did I hear that right? Under two ounce, or under two pounds. Literally, she would fit into a coffee cup. It was, it was a lot of miracles. We got to pray in a lot. Just in my prayer closet just a couple of nights ago, if I can say this without getting emotional, um, you know, the closer you start getting to God, 
the more you walk around just giving him thanks for everything. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sometimes Leslie walks up and catches me talking and she thinks I'm probably talking to God or something, but thank you for hearing my prayers concerning Paris. Because here you see her and she's catching up. She's walking very quickly. She's already starting to talk and just, if I can say this right, sharp as a whip. Right? And this is a little girl that barely made it into this world. Amen. And now she's catching up by the hand of the Lord. Because our God is a righteous God. Yes. He kills, he makes alive. He wounds, he heals. And neither can any deliver out of his hand. Jesus has the keys of hell and death. He is the righteous judge. He decides who dies, how they die, when they die, what their rewards are, and where they spend eternity. It's all in the Father judges no one. He's given all judgment out of the Son. Thou shalt take the blood on the altar and the anointing oil, and as a result, they shall be hollowed. Do you want to be hollowed? Wow. That's a big thing. What does it? The blood of Jesus. There was no other man under heaven whereby men may be saved except what? The blood of Jesus. He is the man, the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Now let's talk about the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. See, blood is all through the Bible. It's extremely important we understand the power of the blood. So, Leviticus 16, 12. He's to take the censer, burning the, the coals, from fire of the altar before the Lord. His hands shall be full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it for the veil. Then he's supposed to put the incense of fire so that it makes a cloud so much that they won't be able to see the Ark of the Covenant. Because if they do, he's going to die. That's what it's really saying. Then he should t take the blood of the bullock, sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. Okay, so what's he doing? He's taking the blood of a bull in a golden bowl into the Holy of Holies. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but they also put little bells all around the bottom of the garment so that as he would walk, it would make tingling sounds. They also tied a rope around his ankle so that if the bells stopped ringing, they would know he wasn't clean enough. He got too close to the Ark of the Covenant. He's dead. Drag him out because no one's going to go in to pick him out. So this is a big deal. But what is it that allowed him to enter? One word. Blood. Blood allowed him to enter. So... The high priest takes the blood in a golden bowl, takes it into the Holy of Holies once a year, puts his finger, sprinkles it before the mercy seat eastward. Why, why did it say eastward? Because the blood of Jesus was on the west side. So the blood of goats and bulls was on the east side. The blood of Jesus was on the west side. We're going to get to that in a second. You shall take the blood of the bullet, sprinkle it before the mercy seat eastward. You shall bring with his fingers seven times. Seven times. Here's a picture. This is actually a drawing, not a picture, of what the real Ark of the Covenant really looks like, according to Ron Wyatt. He did say that there was a change, a couple of changes in there, in case some enterprising people decide that they were going to make one. But he also said that 
this portion here is 600 pounds of solid gold, all one piece. 600 pounds of gold. Then it sits upon this box made of shittim wood over covered with gold. Then the Ten Commandments were in it. Now, he said when he found the Ark of the Covenant, Leslie and I went on the two-week tour with him in 1991, he took us down into a cave, and he said the entrance to the cave is very close. Now, I spun my camera around, and I said, it's right there, right there, that's the entrance, right there. But very interesting, the dampness of the cave had made my lens go blurry. Just that accident. I don't even know if I could find the cave today. But then in the talk, he said, you're all within a stone's throw of the Ark of the Covenant. I believe I know where the Ark of the Covenant is, but I don't want to go in there. I'll tell you another little story. So we had uh, Henry Groover on a speaking tour, 1997, 98, I don't know, somewhere in there. He was making a DVD. We're in South Bend, Indiana at the TV studio. And he got a phone call. And he said that Ron Wyatt had, had on an emergency, had to quickly go to Israel. He said the Israeli government called him, quick, 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 come, come to Israel, pay for all your plane fights, come to Israel. So he got to Israel. And he said that four people had entered into the chamber where the Ark of the Covenant is. And he said they all had headsets and walkie-talkies on, and we can't raise any of them. We're afraid to go in. So Ron Wyatt walked in. He said he found all four of them dead. And he said that their eyes were upward and crossed like this. All of them. All of them dead. And him being an anesthetist, he said, so what happens is when you have an aneurysm this side of the brain, this eye looks up and over to the left. When you have an aneurysm on this side of the brain, this eye looks up and over to the left. They were all up, in other words, all four of them dead, dropped just like that. Why? Because he does not want the Ark of the Covenant moved. We're going to get to that in just a second. So this is the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, 600 pounds. No, he said, I can't lift it off. He said, two angels appeared and lifted it off for me. Inside, he found the Ten Commandments. He told us in our home in Omaha, Nebraska, in about 1989, he said that one day you'll be able to buy a replica of the Ten Commandments. He said that each stone is about this big. It's made of red granite. And he said, if you were to, he said, you can, you can feel it. He said, if you were to take a warm pan of butter and sign just cursive, just sign your name, just like you would sign a check. He said, when you go up and then you go down, right there would be a little curve. When you go down, there would be a little curve. Then when you stop with your crossing your T's, there's a little, he said, so he said, when you look at this, you will know absolutely positively that nothing on this earth created that. And it was literally written with the finger of God. Just a hot finger went right down into that solid red granite and wrote out those Ten Commandments. Amazing. He said the only thing he found in it was the Ten Commandments. He said there was not any manna. There was not any bud or, or, or almond bud of Aaron that, that budded. This is another drawing of it. 
He said he has changed the drawing again a little bit. Now, here's the point. So the blood of bulls and goats went on the mercy side eastward, and the blood of Jesus went on the west side. Okay, got it? That's important because this is another, this is a replica made of what it looks like. Now, I don't think it's as good as the drawing, but anyway, the, the, the point is the same. 600 pounds of gold. Now, we'll come back to that. Isaiah said, Thy dead men shall live together, and my dead body shall arise away and sing. Skip down. The Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. This is talking about Armageddon. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. That's what happens here. At the Feast of Trumpets right here. Sorry the folks online can't see that. I will lift my hand to heaven and I will save forever. I whet my glittering sword. What's the glittering sword? We have a, I don't know, it's one of these little, what do you call it? We call it the horse. What do you call it? What do you call it? Yeah, a little, a little statue of a, a white horse with Jesus on top, and he's holding up a sword. And we had some guests over to the house yesterday, and one of the fellows mentioned, he said, uh, I, I really like that. And I said, well, that's not correct, though. I said, because he's not holding a sword. What's he doing? Where's the sword? It's out of his mouth, right? What's the name of the sword? The morning star, that's right. Because he blows down with the morning star. That's what he's talking about. Wet my glittering sword, my hands shall take upon hold on judgment. judgment. I'll render vengeance upon my enemies. Almost every time you see that word vengeance, it is almost every time talking about the battle of Armageddon. Vengeance to my enemies. Now this is Deuteronomy. And I'll reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows. There's your morning star again. Drunk with blood, my sword shall devour with flesh, and that with my blood of the slain. And their captain, okay, we're skipping on down. I will avenge the blood of my servants, and he will render, render vengeance to his adversaries. This is all talking about the army, uh, battle of Armageddon, but he is doing this to avenge his blood. I believe that he brings the armies of the world down to the same place he shed his blood in the valley of, I can't even talk today, valley of Armageddon, Jezreel, just outside of Jerusalem. Now let's look at also the word indignation, almost always talking about the battle of Armageddon, day of the Lord. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. His fury upon armies, he that utterly destroys them, he had delivered them to the slaughter. As they killed him just outside the city, he's going to bring them to the same place and he's going to kill them. Their slain should be cast out. The mountains should be melted with their blood. The host of heaven shall be dissolved and the heaven shall roll together like a scroll. Remember Revelation 6.12? And the heaven rolls back like a scroll. That's when eternity enters the time when he blows with the morning star. Morning star goes to the center of the earth, sets the foundations of the mountains on the fire. The hills melt like wax at, the, at the, the, the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Then he blows that down. The tears fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. And as that glory hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And now all of a sudden, instantly we get a glorified body, our mantles, our crowns, all in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Heaven should be dissolved. Heaven should roll together like a scroll. My sword shall be bathed in heaven. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. 
We're talking about blood today. Never thought blood was like this, huh? And with the blood of the, of the lambs and goats, fat kidneys, I'm skip on in. Their land should be soaked with blood, for it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, indignation, vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. Now, what's the controversy of Zion? Controversy of Zion is this. The Bible says that even though the whole world were to come down and attack Israel, they will not be victorious. Once Israel goes back in her land, as of 1945, she will never be uprooted again, though the world will eventually come down after trying to make it happen. I've trod my wine press alone. In other words, when Jesus returns on the white horse, he's going to be wearing a wedding garment, a wedding garment that he dipped in his own blood shortly after seeing Mary Magdalene at his gravesite. You remember he said, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended my father. Because he had to ascend and go and he went up there and he put his blood on the Ark of the Covenant to fulfill that. He put his blood on his wedding garment to be fulfilled on this day when he returned. I have treaded the winepress alone, meaning that when he returns, he returns, two angels having sickles, sharp sickles, they slash the grapes. He burns the tares, they slash the grapes. The blood raises the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And behind that is the armies in heaven, and behind that is you and me. That's an amen place, okay? When I pause like that, that's, you're supposed to fill that in with... Meaning, we do not participate in the fight. He does it alone. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need any of the angels' help. He has the two angels, the sickles, him and that's all, three people. There was none of me. Okay, here, let me read it. I have trodden wine press alone, and of the people that are was none of me, for I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood should be sprinkled upon my garments. So in addition to his blood, he puts their blood on the garments, and I will stain all my raiment. He is serving up vengeance as they threw Moses' generation into the river of Nile, he threw Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. You see? He's serving vengeance. Okay, uh, this is Armageddon. This is the great famous verses of Ezekiel 38 and 39 talking about the Russians coming down and attacking Israel, the Russians and all of her allies. There's going to be a great sacrifice in the mountains of Israel that they may eat flesh, checking my time, eat flesh and drink blood. Blood. You shall eat the flesh of mighty and the drink of the blood uh, of princes, of the rams and glams and goats and bullocks, fatlings of Bashan. You shall eat fat till you shall be full and drink blood until you be drunken. For my sacrifice that I have sacrificed to you. You shall fill my table, uh, skipping on down, going to the next, uh, wait, wait, there's another point Peter's going to make. Okay, I think I made it. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, break it, and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood. So when we take that communion, though we don't do it here in this congregation but once a month, but when we do it, it's something big. It's not past the potatoes, please. It's something big because that blood 
cleanses us of all sin. It's so important. I think I have it here. I think I have it here. First Corinthians says, if you take it unworthily, you can die. Okay, so you're right. It's serious stuff. For this is the blood of my testament, which is shed for many for the washing away of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth until we drink again in my Father's kingdom. Now let's jump to Pilate. So the Jews are crying, crucify me, crucify me. They're trying to get Pilate, the secular side of the government, to agree to crucify him. Pilate literally. It's not enough for him to say, I'm not going to do it. He, he literally washes his hands in front of everybody. He says, look, he washed his hands from I'm innocent of this blood. Why say it that way? Because he understood the power of the blood. I'm innocent of this blood of this just person. I think it's so important that he said just person because the sacrifice has to be perfect. Can't have a broken bone. Nothing has to be. I mean, that's Jesus was born in a specific place where the lambs for slaughter were born. When he was born, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. What does that mean? It means it's like a, a garment so that he was kind of swaddled, or you might say tied up, so he couldn't scratch himself, because babies sometimes scratch themselves. He was born there and swaddled for a reason. He was born to die. He was born to be sacrificed. Think about that. He was born in exactly the right place, exactly the right time, swaddled, treated exactly the way the sacrificial lambs are treated because one day he would be our sacrifice. I'm innocent of this blood of this just person. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us and our children. Do you understand what they did? And how are the Jews doing today? Not good. Have they done since then? Not good. Yes, a lot of them are wealthy. But these people, had they not done that, had they accepted Jesus, would have been it on the earth. Instead, he handed it over to another nation called America. We're glad of that. Then Jesus said, And then verily, verily, I say to you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, do we literally drink his blood? No, we figuratively. We drink, I think it's very interesting that our forefathers chose grapes, grape juice, the very thing that Eve, Adam and Eve ate to bring in sin, we choose grape juice as a representative of his blood to wash us clean. And then at the wine press outside the city, Jesus treads their blood and he calls it the wine press. There's so much symbolism. This is a deep talk today, right? Do you like this talk? you like ones this deep? I mean, this is not for children, right? Except you eat my flesh... Drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's a big statement. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I'll raise him up at the pre-trip. Oh, no, 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 the last day, the last day. You caught that. 
My flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinks of my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Danny, you were talking about how do we get our sins, our, our, our prayers answered right there. Right there. If we eat his flesh, unleavened bread, if we drink his blood, that grape juice, eat his flesh, drink his blood, he's with us. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask what you will be given. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will be given. One of the things that is so important for us as Christians to understand is who we are and our power and authority in the cross. We understand I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's the blood that gives us the strength. I was pulling out of the gym's parking lot where I just played racquetball, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're about to have an accident. I literally said out loud, and I said, well, if I'm about to have an accident, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. And I pulled out, and sure enough, I got myself in a crack what I thought was a clear, it wasn't a clear space, and it had to be the God, uh, God get me out of it. So I, 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 we didn't have an accident. I wasn't in an accident. But my opinion, it was the blood. It was the blood. When we understand who we are, you got it? Okay? When we understand who we are in Christ, and that we have access to the blood, the blood is already in us. We've already accepted him. He's already sprinkled us. We've already got his blood and his body in us. One of the soldiers had a spear and pierced his side. Now here comes the point. All of this to get to this point. Spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. Why? What if the sword had not pierced his side? What if blood had not come out? Yeah, you know, okay, without any blurting out, no fair giving this secret away, how many of you know the answer? Three, four, 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 five? Okay, someone give the answer other than Leslie. I know she knows the answer. Why did he have to put the sword in the side? Ah! What you get for preaching all this good stuff, they learn it. One of the soldiers put a spear in his side because the blood had to come out of the side, go down the crack to the left side of the cross hole, left side of the cross hole, and it went down into the cave where Jeremiah had hid the Ark of the Covenant some 600 years earlier. You want to talk about the awesomeness of God? You want to talk about something that proves the Bible is true? There it is, my brothers and sisters. Look at this. So here they put three signs up. And the signs said, King of the Jews. Don't say King of the Jews. Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Remember they asked him, are you, what was the word? And he said, thou sayest? 
Okay, so he had already confessed. He knew Jesus was the Christ. His wife had had a dream that night warning him, don't do anything to this guy. So he washes his hands. I'm not having anything to do with it. Why? Because the high priest had to sanction the sacrifice. So at that very moment, they put these signs up there, King of the Jews. So the sort, because he was just crucified, there wasn't blood enough to drip on the Ark of the Covenant. See, because for the blood of the bulls and goats to be on the mercy side eastward, that had to be for it to fulfill the Levitical law. But his blood had to drop on the west side of the Ark of the Covenant or he was not the Lamb of God. He did not fulfill the Le Levitical covenants and they'll never accept him as Messiah. But Ron Wyatt said one of these days, that's the reason the four people inside the Ark of the Covenant cave had to die because they were going to move it. They were afraid that, that the Palestinians might get that territory and so they were going to help God by moving it. <clears throat> but if they had moved it, that would have just destroyed the proof. One day, he said he's going to take them inside and show them here's the cross hole, another cross hole over here, another cross hole over here, to the left where the, the sword went into the side, blood came out. Bible says blood and water came out, and there was a crack. Bible says the rocks were, you're supposed to fill in the blank there, rent, okay, rent. So blood went down that crack, and then the Ark of the Covenant was actually, let's see, yeah, in a box, he said it was a stone box. Stone cover, you got it? So first of all, to get the blood from Jesus to that Ark of the Covenant, first of all, we've got to run aside in the sword of Jesus. That blood's got to come out at precisely the right place. That Ark of the Covenant's been sitting down there for 600 years, has to come out and hit the crack that God arranged to come in the earth at exactly the right place, exactly the right time, 600 years later, the exact amount of blood had to drip down enough of it. And then as it dripped, he said there was a couple of drops on the top of that stone. He said, I saw that there was some drips there, some brown stuff. He said, I noticed that the lid of what was ever in that box was cracked. He said, and then I put it together. Cross hole, crack, brown stuff coming down, cra cracked lid on the Ark of the Covenant. And there was the Ark of the Covenant inside. He said, I passed out for 45 minutes. Think about that. So God arranged a sword to think, I mean, a, a soldier to think he had to run in a sword. So what the soldier thought was making certain he was dead was releasing the seed of the serpent from Adam and Eve. Are you catching this? When that blood came out, the devil was losing, but he thought he was winning. Remember in the parable, he says that the whole point was to, to think that, oh, if we, we seize upon the heir, then we will own the kingdom. So he thought he was winning by killing Jesus. But when that blood came out, it killed the seed of the serpent put into Adam and Eve for everybody that would accept it. The blood came out, went down the crack, God cracked the stone lid of the Ark of the Covenant, it dripped on the mercy seat westward, and as a result, it fulfilled the Levitical Covenant, 
and we're free. All that will accept it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. It doesn't hurt anything. And anybody watching this right now needs to send this to all of your friends. Because they ain't never heard no kind of a get saved story like this story. So the blood came out. Went down the crack. Dropped on the mercy seat westward. Fulfilling the Levitical covenant and setting us free. Set us free. We can sin, but we don't have to be a slave to it. We don't have to walk in that sin. We can be free. It's our choice. I love this drawing because it shows a couple of things. One, yes, the three signs that says King of the Jews. We see the blood coming out of the side, but the other drawings didn't show the other two cross holes. So there's actually two other cross holes. Then the blood runs down a crack, drips on the Ark of the Covenant. But what it does show also like is that some 600 years earlier, Jeremiah arranged to put this here. And this is, I guess you might say Ron Wyatt. Uh, well, I, no, this is not really Ron Wyatt because they, they put stones all over here. Stones all over here. Here's the, this is actually pretty accurate. This is the... Uh, 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 the tomb of Jesus. What do they call it, Leslie, in, in Israel? J- Joseph's, no, what do they call it? J- Gordon's, Cal- Gordon's Calvary in Israel, that's what they call it. Gordon's Calvary. So here is where Jesus was laid in the tomb. Shortly, just down the road, real close to there is the Ark of the Covenant. Real close. Now let's jump to this. Do you remember that after Jesus arose, the disciples were going around preaching in his name? So they called him to go onto the carpet. And they said, did we not straightly command you that you are not to teach in the name of Jesus? They didn't say the name of Jesus. We're not teaching his name. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to keep this man's blood on us. Well, I, I said that right to intend to bring this man. The blood was already on them. They had already said, let the blood be upon us and our children. But it was the, they, were, they were bringing a curse, the worst curse upon them. In the, but there's a time, Jeremiah 50, verse 20, and the sins of Israel were sought for, and there were none. The sins of Judah were sought for, and none were found, for I will pardon those whom I reserve. There's a time that God is going to wash Israel clean. All of them. Wash them clean. Not because they just received Jesus. It's because that's his plan. And he is sovereign and he can do what he wants to do. He will wash Israel clean. But I might say it'll be right close to the end. And it's going to be in the middle of a lot of trouble. So you're going to intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Peter and the disciples said we ought to obey God rather than men. Wherefore, whatsoever you shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11. But let a man examine himself so that he that eats of the, drink, of the bread and drinks of the cup. For if you eat and drink unworthily, you drink damnation. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Did you catch that? 
So when we take that unleavened bread and when we take that grape juice representing his body and blood, it's some big stuff. It's big stuff. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And almost all things are the law purged with blood because without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first of God, and the dead of the prince of the kings of the earth, him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, here's the point. Here's the close. So Jesus came and took the book out of the right hand of him and sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Every one of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals there, because thou wast slain. When that blood hit that Ark of the Covenant, we were free. All we have to do is say, that blood hitting the Ark of the Covenant, I accept that sacrifice. Then from Adam and Eve to Armageddon, the seed of the serpent is gone. Whoever accepts that blood, thou was slain, redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, he cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Now, let me explain what that verse is saying. I saw unto the altar the souls of those who were slain for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? White robes were given to every one of them and said to them that they should rest just yet a little season, till our fellow brethren and their servants that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. If we have that blood on us, nobody can take it off but us. And when we have that blood, and when we know we have that blood, we know who we are in that blood, we have victory. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. When we have that blood, we have the victory. We have the victory, and they can't take it away even if they kill us, and they will probably kill some of us. I said to him, Sir, thou knowest. He says, These are they which came in our great tribulation, washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth upon the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the fun, uh, sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and leave them in leaving fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hallelujah. That's our victory. That's our victory. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I'll skip that. I thought I'd get here. I think my point's been made. Okay, I'll close with this. This is Armageddon. Another came out of the altar, having power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, 
and reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. The angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it in the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, the same place where Jesus' blood was shed, he sheds their blood. He, he, he brings a recompense. He balances it out. You killed me, my turn to kill you. And in there is humans, half humans, and not humans. That's the only way I can say it. You know we got a strike, right? They didn't like me talking about... They didn't like me talking about... That's what I do. I sent out an email to all of our emails yesterday and said, uh, this is what they don't want you to see, and here's where you can see it. And I might say a lot of people went to see what they didn't want you to see. Okay, so... Today... Let me ask you this. All of the people that are watching this recording in the future online, since we're not allowed to be posting it today online, because I told the truth. But the people that will be watching this, let me ask you a question. When you're standing in front of that firing squad, for the name of Jesus, or you're standing in front of a guillotine because of the name of Jesus, or you're standing because there's about to be some people beat you up or some other bad thing happened to you because you've claimed the name of Jesus and won't give it up. Do you know enough about the blood to know your power? Because he's given us power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And giving our life for him is only fair, in my opinion. He gave his life for us, should we do less for him? If he gave his life, was beaten, tortured for us, ha, well, it was fine for you to do it for me, but I'm not going to do it for you. Does that sound right? I don't think so. Today, it's very easy to ask that blood to be put on your soul. Today, it's simple. Today, one little simple prayer starts you on the road. It's not the end, but it's a start. I don't want to cover that. I don't want to cover that. I don't want to cover that. Get to, get to the point here. Get to, okay, here we go. Here we go. The great verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave it. No one took his life. He laid it down. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe with him would not have to die. You don't have to die. You can live forever. How do you do that? Well, first thing you've got to realize is you are a sinner. All of sin. Then there is a way. It's a simple way, but it is a way. The way is this. You have to understand you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't steal it, you can't be good enough. It's a free gift. Not of works. Okay, if it's a free gift, how do I take that gift of, of eternal life? How do I get washed in the blood of Jesus so I can live forever? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what does that sound like? I turned to one of my racquetball buddies and I said, just say, Jesus, be my God. He said, Jesus, be my God. Now, when he turned and started walking away, I went, Lord, you heard that. <laughs> you heard that. It's a, it starts there. It's not the end. It starts there. Believe, be my God. Then we should confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. 
and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth in righteousness, with the mouth of confession is made unto salvation. Finally, repent and be baptized, everyone, even in the name of Jesus Christ. What's repent? Repent means you ought to be losing some words. You ought to be losing some habits. You're probably going to lose some friends. Because you should not be living in the world anymore. They called them Buddhists because they followed the teachings of Buddha. They call them Muslims because they follow the teachings of Allah. But Christians, oh, you, you can call yourself a Christian and live like the devil if you want to. No. If you call yourself a Christian, it's because you are following Christ. Following Christ. That means walking in his footsteps all the time, every day. That's not six days a week. It's not four days a week. Seven days a week. So, I'm going to pray a little prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it. takes about 30 seconds to pray this very, very difficult, no, simple prayer. Pray it, mean it, and then tell somebody else you've accepted Jesus and you are saved. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God died on the cross, arose three days later, and I received His blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, to keep me holy, and save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's one more step, actually a lot more steps, but the next step you should take call or email or somebody tell someone you accepted Jesus Matthew 10 32 and 3 says whosoever confesses me before men I'll confess before my father whosoever denies me before men I'll deny before my father so it's important for you to go or email or tell or somebody that you've received Jesus now when you do it means from here on out you're going to read his book King James and you're going to follow it from now on. I also recommend you become a member of a ministry. Why? Because if you're not, you're just a wandering generality. Well, I show up here, I show up there, I visit here, visit there, if I feel like it. Or no, no. We show up. We, we are saying, I am here to help build your ministry because I believe if I help build your ministry, Perhaps, maybe God will take me up the next step in what he wants me to do. So to do that, you go to right here, become a ministry member. And by the way, there is a donate button if you, down, if you want to down there. I also recommend that you click like, share, and subscribe. Especially the like right now, since some of the platforms don't like us, take us off. So... Uh, a little side note, I see that we get about seven, about, about 96 to 98% likes on most of our programs out there. So that's, a, that's a pretty good thing. That's a pretty good thing. Like, share, and subscribe. The algorithm, in theory, doesn't discriminate. <clears throat> I have to say that word. So if you get more likes, it sends you out more so you can help us reach more people by clicking like, share, and subscribe. And for the folks online, bye-bye. 
And if you're here in the audience, if you'd like for me or Leslie, or especially Leslie, to pray for you, come on up and she'll be happy to pray for you.